Coming to you on some serious tape delay via a podcast near you. From that hockey hotbed of San Jose, California, it's Dudes on Hockey. He is now accepting callers. He is calling me Dude. And now your hosts, Mike and Doug. Friends, neighbors, amateur podcasters, failed first-round draft picks, welcome as we remember a man who's meant a lot to the city of San Jose and a lot to the hockey world at large. This man is a gold medalist. This man holds the record for all-time games played in Teal. Today, we remember the goals. We remember the captaincy. We remember when the captaincy was lost. And most of all, we remember the eyebrows. Patrick Marlowe. We weep not, for we know you're on to bluer pastures, and we wish you well as you deal with the media scrutiny in Toronto. We speak your name. <laughs> Enjoy that cold, hard cash, baby. <laughs> he's, getting, he's getting a lot of it. Dude, here Dude, we are. Here we are. A little uh, post- Everything madness, if you can believe it, dude, we have absorbed a ton of information here. Expansion draft, trades, free agency. We're sitting here recording tonight instead of being at the prospect game, which it didn't even cross either of our minds to attend. It crossed my mind. Oh, dude, it didn't cross my Dude, and I, I want to apologize for the listeners. I know they've been anxiously waiting for a podcast, and to be perfectly honest, we actually recorded one, what, Sunday? We did, several days ago. And my hard drive crashed, and I was unable to recover the files. So we, here we are, recording it again. We're I'm back. Sure, I'm sure our witticisms are going to be that much sharper this time <laughs> around. We got drafts times two, dude. We've got Brent Burns Norris trophies. We've got naked sharks We've got- on the on the ESPN body issue, dude. We've got trades, NHL mayhem. We've got extensions. But most of all, we've got the fate of the two most beloved sharks in franchise history, Joe Thornton and Patrick Marlowe, finally decided. That's right. As, you know, Marlowe... Made us wait, as he said. He was uh, burning up some carpet in his house, trying to make this decision. He ends up going with the Toronto Maple Leafs, a three-year deal worth over $18 million in total. Patrick Marlowe, a shark no more, dude. Shark no more. And uh, mixed reviews coming out of Toronto media in terms of this deal. Certainly, you know, Toronto is ready to take that next step, having a veteran with gold medal experience, Stanley Cup final experience will be helpful for the Toronto Maple Leafs. And of course, 
we wish him the best. It's going to be very weird to see him wearing a different sweater. Most definitely. That having been said, if the Sharks had signed him to that contract, we'd be having a much more intense and animated discussion right now. <laughs> That's true. Because I think we both would have been livid if that would have been the situation, or at least I would have been, because that would have been the completely wrong decision for this team, for the team's future to be you know, paying that much money to a player who will be 41 at the end of that contract. Um, for Toronto, uh, I would agree that I think it's... I don't completely get it. He's not exactly the type of veteran who will come in and be a instant leader right. on that team, at least not vocally. They probably don't want that actually. And as we're talking about it, you know, th- that can be a problem sometimes with young teams where you, you don't want to bring in and we, and this is possibly part of the problem, but it happened to the sharks, you know, in years past is, you have a core, and then you bring in Jeremy Roenick, right? Who just throws an atomic bomb in the middle of the dressing room That's and right. is still talking crap about the Sharks. He still is, you yeah. know. And uh, it's very difficult to ask a guy like that to come in and not be himself, right? Right. Whereas Patrick Marlowe, he's not going to try and you know rock the boat. Probably he's going to lead by example. He'll lead by example, and if he can score. 25 goals for them and play in the top six. We know Babcock's a fan and you know, for them that could be a win. They came damn close to beating the Washington Capitals in the first round this year. And I was very impressed. And, and actually we had the discussion. I can't remember was on the air or off that I, I thought Toronto looked like a more dangerous team than Edmonton to me Hmm. as a whole. Right. I think that Edmonton has the best player. Sure. But I thought Toronto was playing a really good team and they gave them everything that they could handle in almost every game. That's right. And and scared the crap out of the Washington Capitals. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So maybe Toronto is a little bit closer than everybody thinks. That's that's right. And and Austin Matthews certainly already making waves, just like Connor McDavid already making waves in Edmonton. Right. Dude, I wanna you know, obviously the biggest news since we last recorded was the departure of Patrick Marlowe. I think we've covered that adequately, um, along with a eulogy and acapella music. It's, <laughs> it's a good package all in it's all. It's no green sleeves, but... <laughs> but I think we should go back to the beginning because so much has happened. I do want to deal with things a little bit more in a chronological order. And we actually did make a trade... Weeks ago, that normally would be our top story. It would be the first thing that we would talk about. And given Patrick Marlowe and Joe Thorne resigning and the extensions and the trades and the expansion draft, we forgot about something that happened even before the expansion draft. And that's a number one draft pick, Mirko Mueller, being traded away to New Jersey for two picks. Well, Mirko Mueller in a fifth in exchange for a second and a fourth. Uh, That was a trade that... Uh, we didn't expect, and I think there was a pretty positive reaction on both of our parts when we heard that, right? Yeah, I mean, Doug Wilson Copperfield like pulled off a magic trick here. I don't know what sort of illusion or you know missed haze he's put on Ray Shiro, but 
Ray Shiro's not having a great couple weeks here, by the way. <laughs> and, you know, maybe we'll touch on Kovalchuk a little bit at the end, but seems like he really messed that up. Right. But um, to trade a second and a fourth for Mirko Mueller, who has demonstrated nothing in terms of being a capable top four NHL defenseman who I would think would be worth protecting in the expansion draft. Sharks were certainly not going to protect him and were probably actively looking to get something for him uh, because he had been passed by all accounts by Tim Heed and Joachim Ryan mm-hmm. on the uh, AHL depth chart, certainly passed by Dylan DeMello. And for Doug Wilson to get a second and a fourth in this year's draft... I couldn't believe it. Right. Especially since the day after, it looked even worse than when the day after Nathan Bolia, a 200-plus game defenseman for the Montreal Canadiens, fetched a third-round draft pick. Yeah, a guy with, you know, can score in the high 20s yeah. for a defenseman. I mean, you know, sort of has a reputation of being a pain in the ass, but uh, still, I mean, a veteran defenseman on a reasonable deal. A young veteran defenseman. He's only 24. Right. I mean, gets a third. I yeah. mean, you know, we've seen some weird stuff. I mean, Either Mark, Mark the, Mathot, right. you know, we're jumping the gun a little bit here. He was traded for a 2022nd. Mark Mathot. Yeah, I know. You know, uh, come on. I mean, like, so Doug Wilson, good on you. And either he tricked Ray Shiro or there was other teams interested in order to drive that price up. So Doug Wilson went from having one pick in the first four rounds uh, in the entry draft this year to having three, which was quite a coup um, to pull that off. So while, you know, a lot of people analyze this trade as it uh, being a failure because it was another first round swing and miss. That's right. Which the Sharks, unfortunately, are starting to become more known for. Yep. um, Especially on D. I mean, they've really not picked effectively... Nick Patrecki, Taylor Doherty, these guys are second high second-round picks. And now Mirko Mueller, all gone and not having contributed anything meaningful to the team. But I say, you know, uh, that's the past. The Turning him into an asset or assets today, good on Doug Wilson. That's right. That's right. And that was only – that was before a freeze, before the expansion draft, I guess – they didn't want teams to make a big flurry of moves right before the expansion draft because that could really affect who Vegas picked, uh, and in what and uh, all those kinds of things because that would and it could also obviously change who the teams protected if they suddenly gained a new player would they protect right. him not protect him and all these things so it would have ruined the extortion period <laughs> yeah and it was extensive the extortion period. So, dude, did you watch the expansion draft? Did you I did. Watch, you watched the NHL? I did. It was uh, it was painful. It actually, was. It was to see them say the wrong names of players to select players out of order. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. It was pretty painful, and I love you know they they trot these guys out there. You know, uh, I guess Derek Engelin lives in Vegas. I mean, he's right. probably just happy to be in the NHL. Yeah, you know I mean, like, he <laughs> he was stoked. But you're dragging some of these guys out there, and it was it was, they're playing. How you like me now? Yeah. How you like Jason Garrison? Like going from <laughs> a possible Stanley Cup winner to Vegas. Right. He's walking out waving. Yeah. Thanks. How you like me now? Hey, Mr. Garrison. Hey. <laughs> How you like this now? Anyways, um, I. I enjoyed it just because 
um, it was interesting to see how how it was presented. But I thought the whole thing that they made such a big deal about how they didn't want the lists to get out. Like, how can they not? I I mean, I I guess this is a stupid question, but it should have been that should have been when everybody found out. Like who was available? Who got picked? It should have found they. We should have found out live on TV. Like who wins the Academy Awards? We did. No, it was out on social media. Oh, like, like hours did? before. Oh, really? Yes. I heard rumors, but I didn't see anything it specific. Was, uh, it was out. I mean, like, pe- Bob McKenzie was, like, saying <laughs> who got picked. I mean, like, yeah. it, it wasn't a surprise. Like, I, you knew. Well, I saw the rumor that Schlemko was going to be picked, but I didn't see it in definitive terms Well, before. I mean. So at least no. to me, it was a surprise. When, when I think when Drager and McKenzie are, are tweeting it, it's yeah. fact. Pretty I mean, much. I just kind of just take yeah. it as fact. Yeah, yeah. And um, it's not like Eklund speculating. What happened to that guy? Uh, <laughs> who knows? Well, so Vegas picked their players, one from every NHL team. There's a lot of surprises, which we'll get to in a minute. But certainly for Sharks fans, the biggest event of the night was the fact that the Sharks won a major trophy. Brent Burns won the Norris, the first in franchise history. Fantastic. Yeah. And it was a good suit he was wearing, too. Yeah. Uh, good on Burnsy, And it, he definitely... Uh, should be switched back to forward. <laughs> I think the experiment's run its course. <laughs> I think that uh, there hasn't been any comments about that this year, has there? <laughs> Not too many. <laughs> oh, he's such a dynamic weapon and a hilarious guy. And, you know, it was exciting to see him uh, up there winning that trophy. And uh, congrats to him. Yeah. Very, very exciting. Well-deserved and and it's great to see that he's going to be in Teal for many years to come. Yeah, that's an outstanding building block to have, that's obviously. Right. That's right. So, dude, any other news? So let's talk a little bit about the expansion draft. What were the big surprises or uh, for both who was available and protected and both and who Vegas chose? Well, we could start with the Sharks, which I think goes into the biggest disappointments category is uh well not for the sharks i think yeah. for the realistic situation was that vegas was not going to take mikel bodker i i thought that that proposition was ridiculous from the beginning why would vegas take the sharks worst contract yeah well that, we'll get to bad contracts in a minute well but i i think that you know the sharks would love to get rid of that Three years, twelve million dollars. That's owed to Mikel Bodker. Like, I mean, like he was not good last year. I'm not ready to give up on him, but certainly, I think if if you could have pushed the reset button on that, they would have taken it. Yeah. And um, Vegas was never going to do them that solid without some sort of compensation in return. True. And which, by which they managed to extract from many teams. Right, and I think it's smart for Doug Wilson. It's not worth. It's not that bad. Right. You know what I mean? Like so. It, it's not it's like not, what Columbus did. Right. It's not worth that. So he said, just take who you're going to take. And, you know, they it would have been worse, in my opinion, if they'd taken Brendan Dillon. It would have been worse if they had taken Paul Martin. And they took David Schlemko, who was our sixth defenseman, who was out of favor with our head coach. And there was some bizarre stuff with him last year. And they took him. Right. With the sole purpose of trading him. 
which they did with several other defensemen. Right. And the return that they got was what I thought was the most shocking, was that they got a fifth-round pick in 2018 for David Schlemko from Montreal. Right. So Schlemko goes from Sharks to Vegas to Montreal in a matter of 48 hours, and all Vegas got was a fifth-round pick in 2018. Right. It. You have to think they would have gotten more if they picked either Martin or Dylan. What happened? Well, the only thing I can think is that they completely misread the market for David Schlemko. I mean, I don't know what they were doing. I don't know if they were saying, hey, we might take Schlemko. Are you interested? Right. Um, what would you give us if we took Schlemko? Um, they must have thought, either they thought that was a good deal. Which Maybe, I guess. I, I just can't that seems crazy, but imagine okay. that that... So this is just my guess, was that they thought Schlemko would have value, and it turns out he did not. And um, which is surprising to me. I don't think he's worth a, a future fifth. Like, I mean, right. guy can play 18 minutes a night, but, you know, you said this the other day, sort of like Daniel Winnick disease, who is still unsigned yeah. during this UFA period. Something wrong with David Schlemko, right? Is like, there something there? I don't want to spread... I mean, this is completely unsubstantiated by any facts out there. It it does make you wonder, though. This guy's been on a lot of teams. It makes you wonder, what's going on with him? Is right. there something else that we don't know? Or is this just purely a vagary of... You know, the free market, and he's just floating from place to place, and you are that's what happens. You get some of these guys that are just going to travel, and they're fine guys and fine players and all these things, and they just happen to go to nine teams. But it's just weird. It is weird well, to see that. I'll say, as far as how it could have possibly played out realistically, this was the best case scenario. Yeah. And the Sharks lost a player that I don't think they're going to feel the loss of David Schlemko much because right. DeMello can fill in. I think they're going to give Ryan and uh, Tim Heed a chance to fill in. I'm going to throw out a name when we get to uh, talking about unrestricted free agency and where the Sharks might go from here. I'm, I'm going to just throw something wild out there of a player who's still out there that I think it's possible the Sharks might bring in to replace, uh, to replace David Schlemko. Okay. It is not Francois Beauchemin. <laughs> I didn't think it would be. Um, so, uh, all in all, another good move by Doug Wilson. Not giving in to the extortion of Vegas and losing a player that doesn't really hurt the team in the immediate future. That's right. And to be perfectly honest, I think Vegas actually had the right strategy. I think they did. It was clear the way the rules were set up as to how many players could be protected, that Vegas was not going to be a good team this year. Even if they pick the very best player available from every team in the NHL, they went out and they got Eric Stahl from Minnesota, and they went and got Ryan Strom from the New York Islanders, and, all, and on and on and on, and they got the best player from everywhere. They would not have been a good team. They would not have been a playoff team. And so what Vegas clearly made the decision, George McPhee, the GM there, clearly made the decision, I am going to stockpile as many draft picks as I possibly can, and the way I'm going to do that is I'm going to call up the Islanders, and I'm going to, I'm going to tell them, I'm going to take Ryan Strom. You need to give me a first-round draft pick so I don't take Ryan Strom. And then the Islanders will say, 
okay. And then I have an extra draft pick, and I still get a player from the New York Islanders. It won't be Ryan Strom. It'll be somebody else. But I will get a pick from you, and I can do that with as many teams as possible. He did it from Minnesota. He did it from the Islanders. He did it from all these different teams. He And he, speaking of bad contracts, he took the David Clarkson contract off of Columbus, and he got significant compensation in return. So clearly the, the strategy was to get as many things as he could possibly get. He got something like 26 picks sure. over the next two yeah, years. Yeah, I mean, and, and I get that, and it makes sense. I I don't know if I would have the stones as a GM to pass on some of these young players that got exposed. You know, when you look at the Minnesota situation and the defensemen that were available over there, right? or even in the Islanders situation where, you know, they... they Maybe they would have done their protected list differently if they didn't make that deal. But they had exposed some good young forwards over there. And if you're looking to build, like we talked about Minnesota, like how do you not take Matt Dumba? Like, I don't know. Now, I know they got... Or even Scandella. Right. You got some sort of hotshot college kid and um, they they got got Eric Howla. They got they chose Eric Howla and Minnesota gave him a player named Alex Tuch, T U C H, who was the number eighteen or number nineteen overall draft pick, who was, as you said, a college hotshot, and he ripped up the AHL pretty good last year too. I looked up his stats, so maybe they're counting on him more than they're counting on anybody else. And they said, why do we need Eric Stahl? Right, Eric Stahl is not going to well, take us. Sure, a- I mean, er- picking Eric Stahl that that was not going to be a, you know what. That's not the right move. No, that's not the right move. Unless they want they thought they could turn around and trade Eric Stahl right. for something good. But you no, know, I think in the Minnesota case, I was more surprised that they didn't take the young player, like the good young player. Like if you're looking at the Sharks roster and of the players that are available for them to take, like I I don't know. Like, I mean you you not going to take Brendan Dillon and just keep him? Right. Take him and keep him. Play him. No? Clearly I'm glad they're, they wheeling, didn't. they're wheeling and dealing. Clearly. I'm glad they didn't. But, you know, and of course, their their intention is to stink. Like, they're going to be bad. Oh, yeah. And I mean, they got it's a in couple, their best interest to be bad. They got a couple of headline players because you had to. They got Fleury. They got David Perron. They got James Neal. But sure. other, other than that... But how long are... Any of those guys going to really be there? They have to hold on to some of those guys, or else the team is going to be so bad, no one will come to the games. No, people are going to come to games. They're going to be balls. The visiting teams, fans are all going to come to those games, including us. Yeah, that's true. But um, (laughs) let's talk about the Sharks' protected list here for a second. And I, I got roasted a little bit on Twitter for saying this. Is when the protected list came out, I said, you know, clearly Eric Stahl, if he was a San Jose Shark, would have been protected. That's right. And it shows how weak the Sharks' forward group was and is right. when you're protecting Ryan Carpenter. That's right. Who Sharks may like Ryan Carpenter. Vegas wasn't going to pick Ryan Carpenter. No chance. So He's that's a, 20, a waste. A 26-year-old forward that has no meaningful NHL experience, that's not something they really they're going to They really wasted two protected picks. On Melker Carlson and Ryan Carpenter, like that, those are two players that you wouldn't care if they got picked. Okay, right. Okay, even if you like them, you're like, well, oh God, we can't replace Ryan Carpenter. <laughs> right. Can't replace him. He didn't even play on the team right. last year. We don't need to replace him. You know, never played. Watch him have fifty goals. This yeah, year. probably. But I just thought that was a indictment. 
of how weak the Sharks eligible forward group was. Now, this is where people misunderstood. Of course, I understood that Joe Thornton and Patrick Marlowe were not part of that group. Of course, I know Jonas Donskoy didn't have to be protected. That's right. I'm not an idiot. <laughs> I just, well. <laughs> if you read, our, you read our Twitter feed. I'm just saying that you look around the rest of the NHL, you know, there were teams that had such deep forward groups that they had to leave some good players exposed. Right. Sharks. And, and we almost lost both of those guys, too. It's not like Joe Thornton and Patrick Marlowe were money in the bank. We Clearly, we lost Marlowe. Right. Jumbo, we said he had uh, some, you know, <laughs> S-ton um, number of teams <laughs> sure, that were interested. I believe it. 20 teams. I mean, we easily could have lost both of those guys. So, no, those guys were not protected in any right. way. Anything else about the expansion draft before we move to the entry draft, dude? Ryan Reeves, really? <laughs> like that's the one that's well, honestly one of the most surprising parts <laughs> one Ryan Reeves was protected by the St. Louis Blues who is basically a a tough guy I mean he's not he's not a right he's, well he's no Brandon Bullock he's no Brandon Bullock <laughs> that's right he's I'd take him over Brandon Bullock <laughs> and then he gets traded for like a first round pick to the Stanley Cup champion Pittsburgh yeah, Penguins I don't, I don't understand either I of those things I, I don't know that's, I can't defend it and I can't explain it I, okay I guess we'll, let's just move on so, dude, after the expansion draft happened and sort of around and after the entry draft, there were some pretty big trades. There was a lot of trades, more so than in most years. I'd say the last couple of weeks, two and a half weeks, was some of the most active uh, weeks in the NHL in the last five to ten years. I mean, this was, you know, it's hard to overstate. Like, th- there was a lot of people that moved around, right? Travis Hamanick moving to the Flames. The Flames are clearly going Flames, for it. Mike Smith and Hamanick, you know, they are certainly feeling like they're ready to to move ahead of the Sharks in the standings. And you know what? They might be right. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that team was scary already. And now, I mean, like, they're even better. Uh, most definitely. Um, the Oilers trading Jordan Eberle, Eberle mm-hmm. for uh, Ryan, Ryan Strom. Strom. Can't yeah. keep track of all the Stroms. That's right. Um that was mostly a a salary cap relief move uh because they just handed out you know an epic deal to McDavid and they've got to take care of Drysidle that's right but uh they're moving Everly give him a fresh start uh let him play with his bud and they get a talented younger less expensive forward in return that's right Arizona is making big moves with their new GM. They get rid of Tippett. They bring in Jalmerson. They bring in uh, Derek Stepan and Auntie Ranta from the Rangers. They just added three really good veteran players. That's right. To a team that has a, a solid young core. They're moving at the Shane Doan is, is gone and they've brought in these three veteran players. Arizona will be better next year. Without a doubt. They'll be a better team because of, in part to those three players. So um, thankfully the Canucks are still awful. <laughs> That's right. You know. And Chicago did a pretty significant over overhaul, right. given the fact that they were the first seed in the Western Conference. They trade a Calder Cup winner in, uh, in Panarin to Columbus. They trade Yarmelson, as you said, and... They get Brandon Sod back, and they sign Brandon Sharp in free agency. I mean, that's they made some big moves. Yeah, and they trade they trade Jalmerson. So um, they they and they lost uh, Trevor Van Riemsdyk. That's right. And they the lost ex- Marcus Kruger. T- they lost so, TVR um, to the expansion draft. 
Chicago, they're trying to be proactive in terms of, you know, it hasn't been very successful for them to do their little reboot on the fly the last two years. And um, I don't think it's going to work this year either. I'm not sure it's going to work. I, I sort of admire their their balls because, I mean, this is a good team, you know, a team that was the best in the Western Conference This by is record. a good core. The team has been dismantled. You yeah. look at their blue line, dude. Yeah. It's not the blue good. line has been destroyed. Like, I mean, they, they really have, like, they have Connor Murphy, who's a good young player, but we don't really know what he is. They have uh, Michael Roosevelt. They have some guy they signed from overseas. And they have Seabrook, who did not have a great playoff series <laughs> against Nashville, and Duncan Keith. Right. I mean, these guys are in their early 30s. Right. But... Um, I don't know. Still really good players, but yeah, the the question marks abound in terms of Chicago. I'm Certainly. Just, well, I, I think they could have easily just sort of rested on their laurels and say, yeah, we're still a good team. We just got unlucky facing a hot, you know, we, we ran into a hot Nashville team and uh, we're still a great team and, and they could have easily stood pat and I don't think anybody would have complained, but clearly they didn't want to do that. Yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm not sure if if those were the moves that, that I would have made, but I'm not qualified to be an NHL GM. That's right. I just like well, we're qualified. Pretend. It's not like you need some sort of like certificate or anything. <laughs> don't you? I, I don't think you went you... to De Anza to get that. I think you can go to De Anza and get the GM yeah. certificate. I heard about that. Yeah. So, dude, other other big trades that happened, uh, but uh, the entry draft, I don't have much to say about the entry draft, although it seems like the Sharks made some choices that, most people in the know seem to question. They kind of went off the board with their first round pick. They picked some American kid. Right. And they picked an American kid for the second pick too. Yeah. They picked a couple American kids. It's, you know, Doug Wilson's and scouting staff, typical MO picking North American players that are going the college route. And they like that. They believe in that development strategy. It has paid off for them in some situations. So uh, they continue to favor it. And um, trading up in that second round scenario to pick a kid who, by all accounts, would have been there probably in the third round (laughs) was uh, not applauded by many. But I guess, you know, if you're the Sharks and you know who you want, you got to go and get them. But their track record in drafting, especially in the early rounds in the last couple of years, not good. So yeah, yeah. Um, we'll see. We won't know uh, for okay. a good three years uh, if these guys have any sort of real NHL promise. That's right. And uh, that- I just like that they had some picks. Like, I mean, because yeah. like, really I thought we'd have one pick and then we'd just be sitting and waiting for the fifth round. Right. So um, I'm impressed that we even just had something happening something so, to do right and we didn't make any dumb trades so that's good which sometimes yeah. happens no no dumb trades and then that takes us to free agency dude so um you know the f- the first thing is that we re-sign Flasic and jones right away you know that's the Jan- uh, july 1st was the first opportunity to re-sign Flasic and jones you can re-sign these guys in the last year of their contract their last year of their contract officially began july the 1st both resigned. Vlasic gets an eight-year deal, 
right for seven million dollars a year and jones gets what five and three quarters right uh for six years almost exactly sort of the same deal as mark andre fleury um how do you feel about these signings well, if if the team wanted to wants to continue to be competitive, then they had to do it, and I think that they are fair. For uh, certainly, I think Vlasic could have gotten more if he had gone to market. He would have gotten more than that from someone else. So uh, that's definitely fair. Martin Jones, I think it's he would have at least gotten what he got. Uh, here, so I think it's not like the Sharks got got taken advantage of. I think they were good contracts, and these are two players that the Sharks are going to build around for the next eight years. Right. So, um, it it goes back to the the bigger question of philosophy of where this team is, you know, which they're certainly taking the Chicago route of keeping that core together and sort of swapping out the the supporting cast to see what what works but the sharks core is considerably older and we're seeing one key member head for canada so um the sharks in a little bit of a different spot than the blackhawks but similar that's right and of course jumbo resigns on a one-year deal which i was really surprised at because it seemed like everybody had said that both thornton and marlowe were interested in three-year deals but then it makes a little bit more sense when you see that Thornton gets $8 million, which is a significant raise for the one-year deal and a, and the no-movement clause. But it kind of works for, for both sides. For one, the Sharks have the cap space this year. They don't have to make a long-term commitment to Thornton, who would be an over-35 contract, which means it can sort of never get released from the books. And then Thornton gets the big paycheck. I, I guess it it works. I mean... To be honest, I was, I was more, I was happier than I expected when I read that Thornton had resigned. I was, I sort of, you know, we'd sort of been talking about it that it's probably better for the Sharks if they both leave, and you know, the Sharks should get to the rebuilding phase and they should find the next generation of players to build around. And you know, Thornton and Marlowe, while still effective, were in their late thirties and it was kind of their time. I was still really happy. <laughs> I mean, Joe Thornton's got a lot of personality. You know, it's just he's just a fun guy. Of course. He's a great player. Just almost more for sentimental reasons, I was happy he signed, which I was not expecting. Yeah, I mean, it would have been extremely bizarre if they both weren't here. And most definitely, Joe Thornton is the more entertaining of the two. Yeah. Um, I don't hate this. I, I'm really happy it's a one-year deal. Um. I think it's a little unfair in in the world that for someone who had their worst statistical season to get a raise, but <laughs> yeah. uh, but there was really no other way to do it because I think he probably had two or three year deals on the table from other teams, and it they I mean you know you're guessing that you know let's just say they were three and fifteen or or two and ten, and he's willing to take the one and eight to stay here, which I think tells you a lot about who was willing to stay here for less, right? Yeah. You know, um, Joe Thornton could have left and he could have taken probably more money in total to leave. Sure. And that would be basically guaranteed money, assuming he was trying to play. Right. Because 
you know, again, he had a, a significant knee injury and not a great season. I mean, if, if his uh, knee does not heal right and he does not play effectively this year, this year he's not going to get another $8 million contract. Right. I think one thing that that is hard sometimes as fans to, to keep in mind during these types of negotiations, and, and, it, and it came out when, when the Warriors were negotiating with uh, Andre Iguodala, who's key six man. He was the MVP of the NBA Finals three years ago and a huge reason why the Warriors won the NBA title. He's a free agent in the offseason this year. He went in on free agent day. He went and visited with a couple teams. They're making major pitches. He goes back home and he's talking to his son and he says, you know, we've got some decisions to make. You know, we've got some good offers from some other teams. Um, and his son just burst into tears. I said, Daddy, I don't want to, don't leave. I don't want to leave. Right. Guess where he's dead. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, now listen, Andre Godal has made hundreds of millions of dollars as a pressure dolly. No one is uh, singing boo-hoo for him. Right. right. Sure. But he could have made more. He could have gotten a bigger deal from some other team. But there were other reasons why. I mean, of course, you stay with the Warriors, you're going to win another championship. Duh. Right. <laughs> right. But, I mean... You know, it's his family. Like, I mean, yeah. didn't want to leave. Like, didn't want to leave. And you've got to think for Joe Thornton, they didn't want to leave. Like, right. I mean, like, yeah. they don't want to leave. They love it here. He's clearly having some sort of bromance with Brent Burns. Yeah. And it's hard. You'd be like, what are you going to... I don't know if they're best friends or whatever, but clearly they are comfortable enough to get nude together for hours. You know? <laughs> yes. And then they took the photos. Right, right. <laughs> Put toques in strategic places. Oh my places. gosh! I mean, that's so funny. But you, you go. Yeah, there's, there's more to this, right? And if you're Joe Thornton and you've made hundred plus million dollars in your career, then well, why not stay? Yeah. What? What? Unless you're walking into a scenario that you thought was like a guaranteed win, which there's certainly less of in the NHL that's than there right. is. In the NBA, although this is a topic for another day, dude, I'm getting on a tangent, but I'm surprised that we don't see anybody do what, which is what's happening in the NBA, which is basically like star collecting. Like super team. Right. Super team stuff. No one's really tried to do that in the salary cap era. Like it is surprising. Like with free agent collecting and stuff. No, no one's really tried to do that. But um, and then you just fill out the rest of your team with minimum contracts. But then you get like good players to come and take minimum deals, which is basically what the Warriors do. Anyways, um, because you're cup chasing or title chasing. Yeah, I have a couple ideas on that, but we should we should Yeah, that's a different topic. But yeah, Joe Thornton stays. of course I'm happy about it. I do question, you know, if he has a thirty five point season and the power play continues to regress, it was not a good move. Right. If he bounces back then, of course, it's a great move. Yeah, and he's a point-per-game player. They clearly Dude. didn't have... There was no one on the free agent market to replace him. There was no one in-house to replace him. So the Sharks certainly had their backs up against the wall, and I to think say the least. There was a, a public relations move, too. It would not have looked great. I mean, the Sharks were not selling out all the games last year. Oh, it would have been said, devastating to them. If yeah. you said, oh, no, Thornton and Omarlo, everybody buy tickets. Here's a ticket increase, price increase. Right, yeah. <laughs> so we lose Michael Haley. It's something we we should have yeah, goes tough guy follows tough guy coach that's right 
goes to Florida, play for Bob Bugner. Right. Replace him with Brandon Bolick. Brandon Bolick, dude. Who played it, in the AHL last year. It's a two-way time. deal, though, right? Right. So. I mean, yeah. I mean, he may not play a moment. Who was the tough guy that we had in the AHL? It was, um, uh, what's his, uh, gosh, we got him in the trade. I know. What was his well, name? Oh, I mean, it doesn't matter. He used to play for Edmonton. Yeah. I can't remember. I can't remember yeah. his name either. I'm sorry. I should have had that written down. But uh, anyway, I don't think that's a, that's this bowling thing is not, I don't think, we're not going to see him play. I don't know. On the Sharks. Well, I don't know. I mean, like, Doug Wilson's always kind of liked to have that guy around. Yeah. And Pete DeBoer certainly didn't mind playing Michael Haley. That's like, true. Played him quite a bit. So if Bolig's not going to be playing, then there might be even another move out there where they're going to try and bring in. I mean, because otherwise, this is a pretty, like, it's a pretty vanilla uh, in terms of yeah. uh, physical uh, intimidation team right. already. Yes. And then you take away. I mean, this was it was a problem, and we talked about it during the season when you know you or even in the playoffs when Zach Cassian is taking runs at the Sharks' injured players, and there's nobody there to do anything. Like nobody's going to do anything. So it's that problem has just gotten worse. It's it's true, Mm. it's true because I think Bolig is less likely to play in normal hockey type scenarios than right than Michael Haley is right. Dude. Although Bullock's won a cup. Okay. okay. <laughs> well, DW loves that. I know. Cup winning. Dude, a lot of, lot of movement, though. We see some big names. Shattenkirk and Oshie were the big yeah. names. Shattenkirk leaves. Oshie stays. Right. Um, you know, we saw a lot of other movement. We saw Auntie Niemi get signed by Pittsburgh for re- reasons unknown. Martin Hansel, a guy we've talked about a couple times, ends up in Dallas. On a reasonable deal. On a pretty reasonable deal. Four and three-quarter million dollars for three years. That's not bad. Um, we see a lot of goalie swapping. Mason leaves the Flyers, and they replace Steve Mason with Brian Elliott for... Oh, my goodness. God, but, God help them all. Yeah, but the Steve Mason deal was wacky. That's the worst free agent contract. The Steve Mason deal? I think that was the worst. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Although, close second... And I, I mean, I don't know what you think about this. I think the Radulov deal is oh my horrible. God. It's terrible. That's horrible. It's I mean, terrible. you're just asking for it. Yeah. When you bring this guy in, this guy's a turd. <laughs> it's just a turd. <laughs> you're going to bring him in. And you're going to say, six years? Five years? What was it? I think it was five and 30. So you're going to bring him in and say to your young core, hey, here's this turd on skates who's going to put himself in front of the team all the time. Right. And, you know, I mean, Dallas might be, uh, you know, tooting their horn for some of the moves that they've made. Radulov, Hansel, Bishop. I think the Radulov thing just completely screwed them up. I look forward to watching them implode. I think the chances of them looking at this deal in three years and liking it is about zero. Yeah, I mean, they're saying, okay, they got Martin Hansel, who... Is uh, an okay second line center, and a really good third line. Center. And a really good third line center, Ben Bishop was a good goalie two years ago. Right, hasn't been for two years, and Radulov could decide to go back to Mother Russia any moment. Right, I mean this guy is a tool. So, 
anyways, um, <laughs> I just, I, I think they're getting a lot of kudos, and I, I think they, I, Ken Hitchcock and Radulov, how's that going to work yeah, out? Yeah, that's not going to work. I mean, <laughs> say what you want about the Canadians, but the one-year deal is the right move for Radulov. Absolutely, and I don't blame them for not wanting to get into that sort of a situation with him long term. Yeah. I wouldn't want and the Sharks to. Absolutely not. I wouldn't want him on the team, period. Yeah. Dude, other moves. We mentioned uh Patrick Sharp back to Chicago from Dallas. Yeah, Nick, that's a harmless move. Yeah. Nick Bonino. Yeah, I signs. like that. I like that move for for Nashville, especially they lose uh they trade Colin Wilson to Colorado. They mm. replace him in, with Nick Bonino. That's an upgrade. And they well they lost James Neal. They lost James Neal, and you know, uh, and then they go out and they make a trade with Nashville to get Alexi Emelin. Emelin, yeah, and uh, supposedly Colorado wants a young NHL defenseman, an NHL prospect, and a first-round pick for Matt Duchesne. And Nashville has been a rumored contender for this, so they just added Alexi Emelin to an uh, yeah. already deep right defensive core. And they're saying, no, we're not going to trade a, a BS. Like yeah. I, I, I think this is coming. Like I think that they're li- to the Preds. I, I think it, they're lining themselves up for it. Right? Why wouldn't you? They they were really damn close. I mean, they That's were right. so close to to winning it. Like they were very very close. They could smell it. And that team is young and good. And I think I think they should do it. And if it so long as it's not. You're not trading Subin or right. you know uh, Yossi. Yossi, which they would never. Right. Right? You so can't. if you're gonna do Eckholm or Ryan Ellis plus a prospect plus a first, and you get back Matt Duchesne, and you've got Ryan Johansson, Matt Duchesne, Philip Forsberg. Yeah. Hello. Yeah. Hello. Blackhawks are vulnerable. Blues are a mystery. The wild are the wild. I mean, they've kind of got that division. By the balls. That's right. So I think their time is now. If I was David Poyle, I would be aggressive, and he certainly always has been. So I think that's coming, dude. I think it's coming. That's coming. Another bad deal, dude. Michael Delzato gets three, $3 million a year. <laughs> Vancouver. I mean, how Why does would you Jim do Benning still have his job? I don't I mean, know. Like, how does he still have his job? He did manage to get rid of Ryan Miller, who went to the Ducks. He got rid of him by not signing him. Like, hey, you, know, you, you, you got to give credit wherever you can find it at this point. For Vancouver, yeah. He's um, come in and done a really horrific job. Scott Hartnell to the Preds. Love on a that. one year, $1 million deal. I wish the Sharks did that. I mean, if the shark, Sharks aren't really in that position. There but, was no one. I think there was There was no question that that was happening as soon as he got bought out. Yeah. Like, he's going home. And what a great story. And the fans are going to go nuts. Yeah. Great story. Still a good player. I like Scott Hartnell a lot. Absolutely. I really do. Um I think that's most of the free agents that I can think of, dude. That are that are the big names. Um, not much has happened in the last few days. I think you know after this huge flurry that happened, I think things are going to calm down. Clearly, the next big shoe to drop is is the Duchesne thing. I think the Predators will not be alone in trying to make that deal. So, I'm you know if it'll be interesting to see what. Uh, I mean, Colorado apparently is taking their time. Joe Sackick is taking his time to make well, sure he gets the right deal. Why would you give him away? Of like, I mean, not. like you don't give him away. Like, I mean, I, I would keep him if they don't get what they want. Yeah. Then you keep him. They're so far away from being good. Yes, they are. That 
like if you consider him to be an asset, which I think is a little bit uh, depreciated, you yeah. know, yeah. he didn't have a good year. No one did on that team. Right. I mean, so if you can't get what you perceive to be fair value or or above, keep him. And, Dude, and I want the reveal now because you teased me earlier with the Sharks maybe going out right. and getting a defenseman, and you let it slip that it wasn't Francois Beauchemin. No. Well... Dude, this... Please not Kevin BXO. Please not Kevin <laughs> Well, I, I want to ask you a question first. I'm going to keep you in suspense here. Okay. All right? Okay. What are the Sharks going to do to replace Patrick Marlowe, dude? <laughs> That's a really good question. That's obviously the number one question. Do they just turn to Meyer and LeBanc and Sorensen and say, Hey, boys, your turn. Step up. Come on, Skippy. Pack it up. Let's do this. Or do they go out and sort of show a lack of confidence in these young players and go out and get somebody else who can score? I don't know. If I'm, you know, if I was running the Sharks, I'd tempted to do. I'd be tempted to do the former. You know, Sharks might struggle a little bit for scoring. We talked about putting Chris Tierney on the power play. You know, put Kevin LeBanc and Marcus Sorensen. Put these guys in the power play. See what happens. Right? They won't do that. I know. Well, they should. That's what I'm saying. I'm saying they should. What do you they think should. they're going to do? They're going to go out and get who? I think it, if they're looking you, a season ticket holder, in the eye right now. Yeah. I'm Doug Wilson. I'm looking you in the eye. Okay. And I'm saying to you, Creepy. we're going to contend for a tan Stanley Cup. All right? Yeah. I'm... We're going to contend this year. I'm telling you that. But on a team that already struggled to score goals, I am not going to replace Patrick Marlowe. But see, I don't, you know, I'm, I don't believe that they're going to contend for the Stanley Cup. I know, this but year. that's but that's the bill of goods that right. they're that they're selling you. And if they're not going to contend for the Stanley Cup, then some of these moves that they just made are horrible. Then, like yeah. what they've yeah. just done, right? Like they've they've just you you know, it doesn't. It's, they're nonsensical. All right. So I I think that they it is unacceptable to me if they do not have a plan in place to replace him via trade because there's nobody that I want on the free agency market. So I, you mentioned his name already, James Neal. I, I don't believe that he's going to stay in Vegas. I know there's nobody there to score, right? but I mean, he's an asset for them and I'd love to see James Neal and Teal. Think he'd be a great replacement for Patrick Marlowe. He's be better than Patrick Marlowe. Like I, I would, he's a free agent at the end of the year Think you could get him for not, an outrageous price. I would investigate James Neal. You know what? Uh, Kevin Kurz said initially that Doug Wilson um, said that they were going to replace Patrick Marlowe with young players. Right. And then I think he was the one who said the next day there was certainly a lot of chatter about Doug Wilson working the phones. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, I just don't believe that that, you know, another name that he mentioned was JVR. Yeah. Why Toronto would sign Marlowe and want to ditch JVR yeah, I don't know makes that. no sense to me. Yeah. But are, is there a a young, you know, I'm talking about young, like late 20s, early 30s player who could come in and maybe be part of the long-term plan for the San Jose Sharks? I have to believe that Doug Wilson is searching for that person right now. And if he can get him, you know, another name that I heard tonight on the radio is Alex Kalorn. Now, I, I don't yeah. know, you know, I mean, Kalorn has a long-term deal. It's like a six-year deal, still left. 
Didn't play very well last year. Didn't play very well, I guess, at the World Championship for Canada. And maybe Tampa Bay would be looking, could, would, get, would not give him away, but trade him for less than his value. Right. Would you be interested in that? I mean, like, I don't know if you want to be on the hook for him for six years. But I right. think there's players out there. Doug Wilson's been interested in mining these types of situations in the past. Danny Heatley, you know, uh, situations where he's been able to get a distressed asset. A distressed asset. <laughs> and maybe maybe he can do that somewhere here. Someone who can help the team certainly more than Heatley, dude. Okay. I know we're uh we're running long in the tooth here. Yeah, dude. So here's my my uh unrestricted free agent uh thought. Okay. I'm not even advocating for this. Okay. It just came across my mind as I was looking at the list. Would it shock you if Brian Campbell returned to the Sharks? Yes. Why? It would shock me. Why? Because is that the player we need right now? A puck-moving third-pairing defenseman? Yeah, I guess you're right. It on the on, cheap? Yeah. yeah He'd depends. be dirt cheap. Yeah. You think and he by, I don't know. I mean, like, why not? I mean, he, he actively left, right? For a boatload of money. That's true. And I don't think that there was... I mean, I, we were upset about it for a blink of an eye, and then we got DB22. That's right. This is a better player. So, you know, um, I don't wouldn't think there's any bad blood. I think that he seemed to get along with the guys here. Seemed yeah. to fit in. I mean, we. I'm, I hate to go back to the Warriors because I think that that they're just this juggernaut model right now. But you see how it's just so public how their players are are like out recruiting yeah. guys to come. Yeah, yeah. I think Joe Thornton picks up the phone and says, "Brian, why don't you come?" Sharks on like a minimum deal. Right. Come be the number six guy. And maybe he won't even be. Maybe Dylan DeMello will beat him out and Campbell will ride the pine. But, I mean, I don't know. I'd rather be looking at Brian Campbell as the seventh guy than Tim Heed. Right. Who I know people like as an AHL player, but till I see him playing NHL minutes. History is riddled with guys that look great in the AHL and terrible in the NHL. So. I'm just saying Doug Wilson's history says that there will be a veteran Scott Hannon-like addition here on the cheap, late in free agency, and it could be Brian Campbell. Interesting call. Dude, interesting call. All right, dude, I think we've uh, wasted our listeners' time quite enough. Dude, people have been clamoring for this. Yes, that's right. They're very excited. More free content. Yay! Uh, well, dude, we'll be back uh, in a week or two. We have a couple extra things to discuss, as we mentioned in today's show, so we'll, we'll definitely attack those uh, in the weeks to come. Make sure to send us an email at questions at dudesonhockey.com if you want something specific on the table for discussion. We'll happily uh, take uh, new ideas, anything to avoid talking about the NBA. <sighs> Um, so we will be back again very soon, dude. All I'll, right. I'll try not to have my hard drive crash again. Hopefully it recorded. Hate the show? Want to get your questions on the air? Email questions at dudesonhockey.com. Dudes on Hockey is not affiliated with the San Jose Sharks organization or the National Hockey League.